It is good for us to start this new week and this new year by coming together to worship our God and to study from his word, to sing of the great Prince of Peace that provides the peace for us that, as the Apostle Paul would say, passes all understanding. And if you are not at peace with this new year, if you are not at peace with your life and where you stand in relationship with God, we certainly want to try to give you that peace. Not because that we are the ones who are the purveyors or the holders of that peace, but we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, we hope that you'll make the choice to become a child of God today, to have faith in Jesus, and then to add to that faith as we'll talk about in the course of our study together today. Glad you're here. I invite you to open your Bibles back to 2 Peter chapter 1, where our scripture reading was from at the outset of our services today. And I want us to begin this new week and begin this new year by thinking about increasing our spirituality, the idea of being more spiritually minded. And there are all kinds of opportunities that come with a new year, with the idea of saying Happy New Year to one another. But certainly when you think about that, a new year is an opportunity to reflect on the past and then to resolve something better for the future. And it could be that there are resolutions that individuals who are here today have made as you have moved from 2021 now to 2022. And there are lots of different typical resolutions that different people might make. Let me share with you a couple of those that some perhaps in this building have already made. Perhaps some of you have said, I'm going to save some additional money this year. I'm not going to spend as much money this year. And that's certainly uh, an appropriate thing to do, something that all of us could probably benefit from to a degree or another. How about the big one? And... <laughs> That's the big one. And that is, I'm going to lose some weight this year. I'm going to be a little more fit this year, whatever the case may be. Some have just simply said, you know what, I'm resolving, especially with 2020 and 2021 in the past, I'm going to be more positive and I'm going to be happier this year. None of those things are inherently wrong. None of those things are inherently evil. And in fact, some of those things can be good. And there may even be, especially when it comes to uh, the way we manage our finances or the way that we go about being happy as Christians, that fit into the model of being faithful children of God. But let me submit to you this morning at the outset of our study that the Christian's resolution begins with faith and how we can then add to that faith and be more spiritually minded. Which brings us back to 2 Peter chapter 1 to a series of three verses that are easily memorizable and that are certainly familiar to virtually everyone who is present here today. Yet as we begin this new year, I want to read those three verses which follow from verse 5, 6, and 7 where he says, Also for this very reason given the fact that we have been given these exceedingly great and precious promises in verse 4, verse 5, giving all diligence. And there's a sermon there just about what diligence is. But we are taking with a diligent effort to add to our faith, which we all have, virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, 
to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. It seems to me that those seven things that are added to faith, those eight things that are in total there in verses 5, 6, and 7, make for a nice New Year's resolution. And it also nicely outlines a New Year's Day sermon, which is where we're going to explore today. So this is not a sermon that is going to be challenging in the idea of dealing with some new text, but it does deal with an old text where Peter says to these Christians who may have been discouraged and who needed to be reminded of the important things of that divine power that is given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Here are the things you add to your faith. So I want to look at those seven and spend just a couple of moments on each of those seven things. You could rightly point out that each of these seven deserve a sermon in and of itself, and maybe we'll explore that series at some point. But I want to just spend a, a, an overview of these seven things. Where it begins is once we have faith, we add virtue. The word virtue is oft, oft, often uh, described as the idea of excellence or the idea of a moral excellence or as something that gives a person his worth. So a person who is virtuous is a person who is worthy or who is morally excellent. You know, you think about what gives you your worth and what gives me my worth. We oftentimes think about what our jobs are, our families, where we are in the community, and the things that we are otherwise involved in. And I would submit to you that there are many things that we could argue that make a man worthwhile. And we could talk about those in great detail, but let me just spend just 30 seconds or so on three things. One is education. So many individuals in the United States and certainly in our country more so than in other places seem to suggest that education is what matters the most. But you remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13? He says it's okay to be studied. It's okay to be a learned individual, but those things don't last. What lasts and what matters the most is what gives a person his real eternal worth, and that's the moral excellence. I don't want a person to come to me and say, I'd like for you to preach my funeral, and then a year or two later they die, and then the only thing I can talk about is how educated they are, because that's not the, the most fun experience for the preacher man to be sharing, well, this person was well-educated, had lots of degrees, had lots of different education, had gone to school for a long, long time, and was a very smart person. But were they worth anything? Did they have any moral excellence to them? Any virtue? I can't say that they did. Similarly, so many people are associated with their wealth, with the things that they have. But according to Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 20, if you take the time to read those verses, these are things that do not satisfy. It reminds me of the words of J.P. Morgan, who years ago, of course, was a very wealthy man. He no longer is, at least in material worth. Uh, his legacy is financially. But it was asked of him, Mr. Morgan, how much money do you need in order to be satisfied? And he said, just a little more. (laughs) 
He never got to the point where he was satisfied. If you want, you've got $4 billion, you want $5 billion. Once you get five, you want six. And once you get six, you want seven. And it's just this never-ending acquiring of wealth where you are never satisfied. That's not where virtue is defined. Not even so with our friends or our closest of allies. Look with me, if you would, all the way back in the book of Job. And you know where I'm going here in the book of Job, chapter 19 and verse 14. Remember what Job had to say on the subject? Job in chapter 19, verse 14, says, My relatives have failed, my close friends... They have forgotten me. And you know what? You may have really good friends. And I think most of us have good friends because most of our friends are Christians, people that we interact with on a daily, if not uh, hourly basis in our walk with Jesus Christ. But friends fail. And there are people who are here this morning who've had friendships that have failed because they are uh, fraught with the uh, different issues of this life. But the fact of the matter is, is the worth of you and me as Christians is in proving that we are special, as we talked about a few weeks ago, late last year, and as we talked about the idea that we are a peculiar group of people, or that we are different and transformed, as Romans chapter 12 talks about. That's where it begins. So we have our faith And so in 2022, we want to add to our faith in Jesus Christ and our obedience to him, virtue, this excellence, where it begins, what really matters most. And let's not forget what matters the most in 2022 moving forward. Secondly, we add to that knowledge, you have to know certain things. If anyone knows the Bible, it ought to be Christians. And that's especially important given the fact that one of the greatest students of the Bible is Satan himself. You ever thought about that? That Satan is a great Bible student. Now, not in the critical sense of being obedient to it. Don't get me wrong. But you recall that when Jesus was there in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, that Satan was quoting scripture left and right. And he knows that. And he has the things with which he can trick you and trick me. But we have to understand that if anyone knows God's word, it needs to be those of us who are Christians. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 17, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, the apostle Paul says, you and I are appointed to defend the gospel. If anyone's going to defend it, it's got to be you, it's got to be me. Go back to our text here in Second Peter and, and drop back a page or so. And in chapter 3 of the previous letter, he says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give an answer or a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. By the way, that is a, a true statement. We've got to be ready to defend the gospel message. When someone says, why do you go to church? Why do you partake of the Lord's Supper? Why do you not use instrumental music? Why do you believe in water baptism? These are all things that we need to be able to, not necessarily be able to quote book, chapter, and verse, because that's something that that requires time, and you might get to the point where we're able to do so, but be able to say, well, this is what the scriptures teach on the subject. And there's nothing wrong 
with saying, let me go and consult with the preacher or with an elder. But if that's your answer always to every question that comes up spiritually, then you may, and I put that with quotes around it, you may not be as studious as you ought to be in God's word. How valuable is knowledge? Go back to 2 Chronicles chapter 1, and we're going to be studying from the books of uh, First and Second Chronicles a little bit later this year in one of our Bible studies. But in Second Chronicles chapter 1, in verse 7, it says, ask what's going to be given to you. He says, you've shown great mercy to my father David, Solomon says, in response to the offer that comes from God. He says, let your promise to David, my father, be established, verse 9. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Now give me what? Wisdom and give me knowledge that I may go out and come in before this great people. For who can judge this great people of yours? In many ways, we are to be like Solomon who seek wisdom. And that certainly is taught throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. And who seek knowledge. Now wisdom comes down from God. And if any man lacks wisdom, he is to ask of the Lord. But the same is true with knowledge, except I'm waiting for God to tell me what I need to know. And God has already instructed me with what it is that I need to know. And so some in the world will teach inaccurately that God will come to you and deliver a particular message to you in 2022. Well, he has delivered his message, but it's been delivered once for all. This, the revelation of Jesus the Christ. Jesus commands us to be men and women who seek and who learn. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled, Matthew chapter 5 and the great Beatitudes. And the fact is, is we all, in, in terms of knowledge and in terms of what we know, we all have various roles to play. Let me suggest to you two of those roles. The one is just being friends. The Bible talks about friends on numerous occasions, and we are all friends of one another. The best thing that we can do is to teach one another, whether that be publicly in an assembly like this or in one of our children's Bible classes, or whether it just be one-on-one. There are countless studies going on where individuals are studying with other individuals, where small groups are studying with small groups. And if you're interested in 2022 in having more knowledge and having more depth and having more understanding, there are men and women who are at the ready here in this congregation who will be your friends, who will be true friends, and who will study. Let me suggest to you that also this is an especially important role for those who are parents, and that is the requirement to teach. We reflected on this very briefly in our Wednesday night Bible class when we went all the way back to the book of Deuteronomy. And we quoted from Moses' words where the Holy Spirit, speaking through Moses, says that when you rise up, when you sit down, when you get up, when you, when you go to bed throughout the day, that you are continually teaching And that is certainly important because knowledge matters. The Apostle Peter is not picking out of a hat seven things to add to faith, but rather he is inspired by the Holy Spirit. In fact, Peter would say that the godly men like himself do not write of their own fruition or their own opinion, but rather as they were moved 
by the Holy Spirit. And so we add to our faith virtue, a sense of excellence, and we are trying to be morally excellent. Then we add knowledge to that in 2022. And thirdly, we add self-control. But I would suggest that this may be one of the hardest aspects of what we are adding in 2022, controlling ourselves. Self-control is defined by some as being temperate or is rooted in the idea of being strong. And the irony there is that someone who controls himself is not always associated with someone who is a person of strength. But that's exactly what the Bible seems to be suggesting here. I would go on further to suggest that everyone who desires to serve God has to practice self-control. Not just you and me who are absent of the Holy Spirit's divine intervention, but even people like Paul. Go back in your own time and read 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And he says, I have to buffet my own body, right? No, he says, I have to buffet my own body. It goes back to the first resolutions about eating in, in this 2022. But he says, I have to buffet my own body. I have to subject myself. I have to control myself, not just when it comes to the physical things, but when it comes to the spiritual priorities that matter the most. And let me suggest to you that practicing self-control is not only spiritually beneficial, it is good for society. Let me suggest to you just two or three things. For example, we understand that alcoholism or that drinking in any component is a dangerous thing spiritually, but it's also a dangerous thing physically or in society. What about out-of-control spending? We talked about that a little bit at the outset of our study this morning. We come back and revisit that. There's something to be said about being good stewards of the things that God has blessed us with. And Paul, it seems to me, perfectly describes our struggle in Romans chapter 7, in one of my favorite places in the book of Romans Verses 15 through 20. I want to read that real quickly here. This has been described, by the way, as Paul's tongue twister. And it's where he talks about the things that he needs to do versus the things that he needs not to do. And the things that he wants to do are the things that he doesn't end up doing. And he says in chapter 7, verse 15, he says, what I am doing, I do not understand. And have you ever been in the place of Paul? The things I am doing, I don't understand spiritually. The reason, the, the way that I'm living, I don't understand why I'm doing that. We've all been there. We've all done it. He says, for what I will to do or what I prefer to do or what I know I should do, I don't do it. But what I hate, that's what I end up doing. Verse 16, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will or desire to do, I don't do it. But the evil thing that I prefer not to do is the very thing that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but again, sin that dwells in me. Do you ever feel like sin dwells in you? And most of us will honestly say, yes, at times in my life, I feel like sin's overtaken me. And I've lost my spiritual depth 
Perhaps I've lost my faith or I've gotten weak in my faith and my virtue and my knowledge. Chances are, if you aren't working on moral excellence and you aren't working on knowledge of Jesus Christ and you aren't working on self-control, that all these things will snowball into one another. Paul seems to me perfectly describes this struggle. Let me suggest to you fourthly, that the Holy Spirit says we need to then add perseverance, or as the King James says, patience. Literally, I found this word to be an interesting word, this idea of perseverance or patience, but it literally is the idea of to abide under something, to live under something, to say, you know what? This is not a pleasant experience. This is not something that I'm enjoying, but I'm going to abide under it. I'm going to live under it. And that's sometimes difficult to do. This ability is, is, it seems to me, critical to every aspect of Christian living. For example, when we deal with ourselves, recently was in a study with someone and we referenced Philippians chapter 3 verse 13, which is one of my favorite verses in all the New Testament, where it says, we forget those things which are behind And we reach forward to those things which are ahead, pressing forward towards the ultimate goal, the prize in Jesus Christ. Paraphrasing chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And so we've got to have this ability to persevere with ourselves. We also have to do it when it comes to others. Go back to Genesis chapter 26. You may say, what does Genesis 26 have to do with any of this? Well, hopefully we can make some sense of that here by just briefly reading five or six verses here. But in Genesis chapter 26, this is, of course, the chapter that deals with Isaac and Abimelech and precedes Isaac blessing Jacob. And in Genesis 26 and verse 15, it says, the, Philippian, the, the, Philippians, the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham's father, and they had filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. Verse 20. But the herdsmen quarreled with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. They dug another well, verse 21. Quarreled over that one also. And moved from there and dug another well, verse 22. And they did not quarrel over it. For now the Lord has made room for us. We shall be fruitful in the land. I love that particular story because you can imagine the frustration of the, the diggers, of the, the people who are making these wells, digging these wells. Ah, we finally have gotten water. Now we can take care of ourselves, take care of our children, take care of our families, and take care of our herds. But no, that one's not going to work out. So now we've got to go dig another one. Sometimes... When you deal with people at work who are not Christians, when you deal with people in the world who are not Christians, it requires the ability to bear under, to abide under, because sometimes people require patience. Sometimes people require more patience than others, right? And I see heads nodding yes, because you agree. 
because you've dealt with people in the world who don't have a spiritual perspective. We were just talking yesterday about the idea of the, the value of having a spiritual perspective, that it changes everything when you have God in your life. When you do not have God in your life, you are not patient, you are not kind, you are not loving, you are not all of the things that Peter here by the Holy Spirit is asking us to do. And let me suggest thirdly that we need to be patient with God. Psalm 37 and Psalm 40 talk about this a great deal. But in Psalm, chapter, Psalm 37, in verse 7, the text says, Rest in the Lord and do what? Rush him? No. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. You turn over just a page or two in your Bibles to the 40th Psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me, and he heard my cry. And I appreciate our brother Dan leading us in prayer this morning, acknowledging and saying thank you for answering our prayers, because God has and will always answer our prayers. We just need to be patient with him. He may not answer them in the timetable that we would prefer, and he may not answer in the way that we would prefer, but he will always answer our prayers. The fact is, is to fully become strong Christians, patience has to be tested. And we are individuals who welcome perseverance, who welcome difficult days and say, this is good for me because I know it's a character-building process. Number five is the idea of godliness. We are to add to our perseverance godliness of being holy. Godliness is literally defined as, this may surprise you, to worship well and was often used to describe someone who remained close to false gods. And you can understand why godliness can be little g as much as it is a big g. We understand in Ephesians chapter 1 that all spiritual blessings flow through who? Jesus Christ. All spiritual blessings flow through Christ. We often pray that publicly. We thank you for all the spiritual blessings which come through Jesus Christ. I want to go back to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And I want to read three or four verses and make just a couple of real, real quick observations Because he says there in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then what are those blessings that we have? Well, it seems to me that over the next five or six verses, he uh, addresses that, or at least in in the first half of chapter 1. For example, in chapter 1, verse 4, just as he has chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. There it is. We are to be holy and chosen by God. Drop down to verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now drop down to verse 11. Notice we're looking at the in hymns here, which is a a good outline for someone who's wanting to write a a sermon on Ephesians chapter 1. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, verse 11, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. 
And in verse 13 and 14, in him you also trusted. So we have a trustworthy guarantee in 13 and 14. All these things blend together to paint a picture of what godliness and holiness are all about. When we think about 2022 and the remaining 363 and a half days that are left in 2022, we need to think about the fact that we are to be holy, to be more like God, not like the false gods, but like the true God. We are trying to be holy, to be sacred, to be separate like God. But you know, doing those first five things only work if you then do the other two things. Because to have a complete picture of what 2022 should look like, we have to add brotherly kindness. I put up there just the idea, be nice. The world has plenty of mean people. Be nice. Be nice in 2022. It's impossible for a person to be godly and to not be kind. How do I know that? Partly because of common sense, but partly because of passages like 1 John chapter 4 and verse 20. Now, granted, he's not talking about this particular subject identically, but he's talking about this concept in, in, in formation when he says, if someone comes along and says, I love God, and he hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? This is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. If you want to write things out in the margin of your Bible, you might want to write out, just be nice, be kind, practice this brotherly kindness that God here is talking about. This kindness, by the way, involves more than just saying nice things. It requires us putting that kindness into action. And maybe we can be kinder as individuals, as families, as a congregation, as Christians in 2022 than we were in previous years. Let me suggest to you three things that we are to seek or take action regarding. Number one, we are to, in 2022, seek opportunities to do good. In Galatians chapter 6, it talks about as you have opportunity to do good, especially to the household of faith. And we are to seek those opportunities. We are not to be reluctant in doing good for others. I see there's a need. No one else is stepping up. All right, I'll finally step in. I am instead seeking opportunity to do good. And I, I try to, from time to time, compliment this congregation. Uh, and I appreciate so much that this is a congregation that, at least in, in very general terms, uh, does a good job of seeking out those opportunities to help financially, to help with time, to help with rides, to help with uh, food, whatever the case may be, or just to help with a conversation of someone who may be lonely or otherwise struggling. Seek those opportunities to do good in 2022. We are too, according to John chapter 15, which we just recently studied in our, in our Harmony of the Gospel study, we are to seek the opportunity to serve others, whether that be our brethren or those in the world. In chapter 15 of the book of John, it says in verse 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. I think we would all agree that in 2022, we want to be friends of Jesus. And to be a friend of Jesus, we've got to add brotherly kindness. 
and we are to take action. That means that we cannot just look at someone who is in need as the Levite did or as the priest did, but rather we are to be that good Samaritan character who says there is a need, I'm going to take care of that need. And that's what James seems to be suggesting in James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. Now, some would say being nice in a world filled with so many people who are mean and unfair and unkind is a difficult thing to do. I would agree with you. I would agree that there are times where it's tough to be nice and it's tough to practice that brotherly kindness. But we have to make sure that God's plan is also our plan. And in Romans chapter 12, that very practical series of statements made by the Apostle Paul with the Holy Spirit, he says in chapter 12 and verse 20, on that subject, he says, if your enemy is hungry, don't laugh at him, but instead feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. It's easy to do that to a friend, but it's more challenging to do that to someone who is mean, who isn't practicing this type of kindness. And lastly, he says, I want you to add love. It seems to me that it is fitting that love is the final thing that Peter, by way of the Holy Spirit, mentions. Go back to 1 John chapter 4 and in verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This love, of course, is the epitome of all kinds of godly Christ-based agape love. It is a love that is selfless. It is a love that is sacrificial. And this love requires attention, it seems to me, to many groups. Go back and read Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And you read that on your own time, and you'll see that we have the responsibility of showing love, not just to the people who are close to us, but even to the world. It is true, as is written in Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 6, Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 4, that our family merits our love. And there is a special relationship that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ, where in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, the apostle Peter there says, since you have purified your souls in the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So we have a special relationship as brothers and sisters in Christ, do we not? And consequently, 2022 should be a year of brotherly love shown to one another. Our determination to love must always and will always enhance our service to others and then our obedience to God. But I love the way that Peter began. We didn't even touch on the broader title of the lesson, and that is when it comes to adding to our faith. That as we add to our faith, I would submit that we never get the final sum. You know, when you add different numbers together, you get the sum. Because our work continues daily. It's not a matter of saying, I've got my faith, and I'm going to add to my faith these seven things, and I finally I have achieved the goal that God has, has, has laid out for me. I wish it were that easy. But instead, 
It is a challenging thing to add to our faith virtue and knowledge and self-control and the other four aspects. But we are continually engaged in that process on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and maybe even on a yearly basis. And you know what? A year from now, in 2023, which will come just like that, we'll still be talking about adding to our faith. Maybe not the same sermon. I may preach it again next year to see if you remember it. But the fact is, is we continually work on these things in order to be what God asks us to be. I began this morning and I conclude that if you are not at peace because you have not done the thing that the Lord has asked you to do, that we stand ready to assist you, to help you, to teach you as we even talked about today. We want you to have faith in Jesus Christ and to confess that faith and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. As you repent of those sins and you confess Jesus as the Christ will baptize you this very morning. If that's something you're ready to do or if you are not adding to your faith as you should be, resolve in a resolution that is more important than weight loss, financial gain, or personal growth, whatever that may mean, (laughs) resolve to be spiritually minded in 2022 more than ever before. And that's a pledge that all of us should make. And if we can help you to grow this year, this day, and for the rest of your life in service to God, let us know while together we stand and while we sing.